Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to bye week number one of two or three here on Loon Talk. My name is Jonathan Harrison. I'm joined, as always, by Dan Terhar here on Loon Talk. And our special guest this week, Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press. Dan, Andy, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. I just let me go on the record right away and saying I hate bye weeks and I hate international breaks. (laughs) Give me a I want to see a 95-degree game down in Dallas. That's what I wanted this week. (laughs) I can't stand the 95 degrees outside right now. I don't want to deal with a 95-degree game. I do hate it. I do hate this. I'm going on vacation in two days, so I I like this break. This is nice. Well, nice. Yeah, there is that. There is that part of it. You do get some weekends free and a chance to do a few things. But uh, but as far as the uh, the uh, the playing and, and having that much time off, it just feels so disjointed. But you know, that's yeah, it is what it is. Hey, at least we got U.S. Men's National Team game to talk about last yeah. night, from last night. Plenty to talk about there. So I guess let's just jump right in. U.S. Men's National Team playing Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final, the first ever version of that taking place at in Denver last night. U.S. Men's National Team win 3-2, to two, going all the way through extra time last night. And craziness ensued basically right from the get-go. Uh, I'll start with you, Dan. Thoughts on... The U.S. men's national team getting a huge win over Mexico for this young U.S. squad. Well, I I didn't see the whole match. I got home at about, I think it was about midway through the second half. And I think I got in on the best part of it because you really did. You know, and and you just, I love rivalries in any sport are the greatest. And, um, when you have a rivalry like USA and Mexico in soccer where it's been dominated, you know, for by Mexico forever, um, and then and then all of a sudden, the United States gets a game on you know on their in the U.S. and they get a few breaks. They make the plays when they need to, and uh, I just I just the intensity level of that match, the end of it was incredible. And I mean, we'll we'll get into the details, but yeah, it, it it's one of those matches that I always think about. And I don't know about you, Andy, but it's one of those that I think about where you go, okay. This is where I want my non-soccer friends. I want them to watch this with me absolutely. because this is that's kind of match that converts people, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you have goals, first of all, and then you have penalties, you have save penalties, you have pitch invaders, you have beers being thrown on players, you have managers trying to put their arm around a referee during a VAR call. You know, it was just you have you have invaders into the set. Uh, during the post-game show, you have, you know, uh, goalkeepers doing shout-outs for Pepsi Max after the game. <laughs> it was just, you know, I, I turned it off after the game thinking, wow, that was that was stunning, and I couldn't believe that that just happened. And I scared my cat out of the room when Evan Horvath made the save, and and uh, I thought that was going to be the end of it, and, and there was just more to come just to show that how much of an incredible night it was. Dan, I know you love – extra stoppage time and we got plenty of it at the second extra time where we I think we got what 12 minutes of extra or stoppage time when it was given five Dan how did you feel about uh, I, seven extra minutes of stoppage time you know it's one of those ones where I just sat there and I just what and you know at, at this that point at I that, didn't want it to end it was so much fun no no and maybe that's and I forgot who was refereeing was it Lewis no who's the ref last night I I don't know. I can't remember. It was a Panamanian guy. Yeah, yeah. We've we've had him before. Um, but at first I was like, "What are you?" Because I it's kind of my I, I like to guess. And you probably do the same thing when when it gets into the 89th minute. I always like to see how close I can be to guessing what the what the extra time will be. Sure. And I, I'm getting pretty good at it. But that one, I was like, "Whoa, wow! I must have missed <laughs> something early in that second half." But but at that point, like you said, Jonathan. It was such an intense, exciting match that's like, oh, let's go, let's play. <laughs> Add 30 minutes, let's go. <laughs> I, the thing I'll take most away from this game, and I don't know about you guys, but the thing I'll take most away from this game for this young U.S. squad, besides them getting a huge win, getting a trophy on top of the many trophies they've won for their clubs this season, um, is the fight that they had. We've seen that in the past from the U.S. squad, but I think since 
I would say probably Brazil, since after that World Cup, that fight really hasn't been there with this squad. And for the first time since Jurgen was fired, we've seen fight from this squad, and they fought back twice from going a goal down against a huge rival, one that they typically, once they go a goal down, they don't really come back from. And the U.S. kept fighting, and they didn't let the game get away from them, despite a really bad start. Um, and I think that's that's a really good grow, uh, growing block, um, a growth thing for them uh, looking forward, that if they do get to the World Cup and they do make a run, people will look back at this game and say, it started right there. This this young this young U.S. squad started their rise right here at this game. Yeah, I think you could see it with you know guys like you know Mark McKenzie, uh, you know when he has a bad back pass and and kind mm-hmm. of the issues with that that cause you know ninety seconds into the game. Yeah. You said in a rivalry game where you want to you know play your best and and to see them you know fight back the way that they did uh, was very impressive. I thought uh, you know Weston McKinney uh, looked like a leader at times. Uh, was willing to to get in scuffles with with Mexican players. Christian Pulisic obviously, you know, stepped up. He was wearing the captain's armband and really showed himself to be a leader of this young team. And and that's what you need to see when you have a young group of guys that haven't played a lot of soccer together to see who's going to be those alphas that 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 will you back into it. Yeah, one of the questions I have, and I, well, I just thought of it now, is because I missed the first part of the game. What was the reason for the goaltending change to McMath? Uh, to Horvath? Uh, or to Horvath, I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, Zach Steffen came up with an injury. I mean, he was playing pretty decent. He had a couple big saves, a huge save. Um, I think I can't remember on which which Mexico goal scorer it would have been, but it was a huge save, and then. Uh, Zach Steffen goes out injured, and so they were forced to have a substitute there. Okay. All right. I missed that part of it. I was a little confused because I didn't think that Horvath had started the match. So, Yeah. I think let's let's stay on the Horvath topic here. Zach Steffen's always been considered the number one goalkeeper with this squad um, from basically once Greg Berhalter took over just because of, uh, I mean, his promise that he's had. He's at Manchester City, the Premier League champions. Horvath basically sat on the bench for much of the season for Club Bruges in Belgium. After that match, there's definitely got to be, with his performance that he had coming on as a sub in a huge game against Mexico, under pressure from pretty much the get-go once he came onto the field, there's definitely a goalkeeper battle, and we've seen this with the Loons. There's a goalkeeper battle now for the U.S. men's national team, I think. Yeah, Andy, I, w- I would I would yield to you on this one. You, you're a little tighter with uh, what goes on with that team, but yeah, it is a little bit like the Loons because in international play, you always have two starting goaltenders. Yeah. There's no there's no scrubs, there's no guy you don't want to play. So yeah, what do you do? Yeah, I think I think it's very similar to the Yoon's the Loon situation and the fact that you know Dane St. Clair is the future and I think Zach Steffen is the future for the men's national team. And you know, if you have a backup who has shown himself capable in big moments like Ethan Horvath has, like Tyler Miller have, I think that's a good problem to have. I think, you know, he it, it, Ethan Horvath is, I think, leaving on a free at the end of the year mm-hmm. uh, for a reason. So I think, you know, kind of there is some some mixed history for him that he hasn't been as successful as as Zach Steffen shows that he can be in the limited time that he has had at Manchester City with, you know, one of the best clubs in the world. So I think, you know, it's nice to have a quality backup, but I, I think it's Zach Steffen's job. Yeah. I think one of the other things that I'll take from this game, I, it pretty much goes along with the fight aspect that I had before was that some of these guys, they didn't have great games. Uh, Christian Pulisic was pretty much an, you kind of forgot he was on the field for much of the game until the club or until the team really needed him. Or Mark McKenzie kind of had a, he had a pretty bad start, but then he came around and the handball, I mean, we all, we've talked about handballs before. It's, it's 50, 50, whether it was or not. I, I think it was a pretty rough call for him to get that handball that late in the game. But after having a bad start, him, Christian Pulisic, uh, Weston McKinney, all these guys, they didn't have the greatest of games, but when the club, when the team really needed them, they stepped up in huge moments and they came through for this team. And that's something you need from your leaders. And those guys showed out really well last night. Yeah, Andy, I got to start with this with you. Do you, do you fully 100% understand the handball rule? No, and when I, when I saw when I knew I was going to be joining you, and I knew that there was a handball call, I was like, "We've got material now." Oh, I, yeah, man. That's been a topic for you guys in previous shows. 
Yeah, I mean, it was really tough because, you know, in the replays, it looked like it wasn't too far from his body in a yeah. very unnatural position. I thought it was, you know, very close to his body. I thought it was a, a harsh call to have happen, especially at that juncture of the game. Yeah, I think it's it does seem like they kind of pick and choose when they're going to call it and, and what sort of parts of the criteria they're going to use. So, yeah, I thought the U.S. were kind of harshly done by that. And I think, you know, we'd be smarting a little bit more if, you know, Gordado was able to, to make that penalty and yeah. they leave with a draw instead of, you know, getting, you know, the, right. the, the trophy. Right. This this young this young group of players, I, I'm trying to compare them to uh, some of the young players in the Loons, and maybe that's the way that the young players are learning to play the game. We've got a guy named Chase Gasper, like, you know, basically called the dump truck because he just puts his head down and he's fearless, completely fearless. Um, Asani Dotson is another young player that plays very aggressive. And, and, and is that a trend that we're seeing in USA soccer, that the players that are coming up, these young players, are more aggressive, are a little more fearless, maybe aren't as intimidated by international uh, stars and international teams? Yeah, I mean, I would think so, just looking at the, the clubs that they play for. I mean, yeah. you know, we're talking about, you know, top five leagues in the world, clubs like Barcelona, Juve, you know, you know Manchester Manchester City, you know, on the, Chelsea on down the list, uh, Genk, you know, a lot of different clubs uh, at the top of the world stage that, you know, they're used to playing in, in rivalry games on the club level and for cups and, and finals on that stage, so... Um, I think it was very important for them to kind of get validation with the national team because, you know, I, I was listening to Extra Time this this afternoon and they talked about the post-traumatic stress that came from Kuvo in 2017. And I think that's just so very fresh in so many uh, U.S. men's national team followers' history is is how terrible that moment was and, and some of those players and and people around the club or around the country were definitely a part of that at that time too. So to kind of distance and change the the course of the way things have gone uh, for this country was, was very important and to do it uh, against your arch rival just uh, validates it even more. You're changing You're trying to change a culture and that, that doesn't happen overnight or in one year that can take, you know, several world cups before that happens um, because the competition level is so high that you, you can't, it's just, it's so impossible to manufacture that it, it has to happen. And yeah, matches like the one last night go a long ways towards, uh, towards repairing that. Absolutely. And I think as, as Andy said, having those guys, they now play at some of the biggest clubs in the world, but now putting them together on a team for the U.S. and getting mm-hmm. getting a huge win over your rivals in your region, that's huge for this team going forward. They're not going to be scared of Mexico going against them uh, coming up in November. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I don't imagine they'll be as scared going down to the Azteca uh, come March in World Cup qualifying. They're not going to be scared about going against these teams in really rough uh, locations and difficult situations that they'll have to do in World Cup qualifying because they know they can do it now. They've done it. They have that experience of playing together, fighting back, and then getting a huge win in a big moment. And so I think having getting that tonight last night was huge for this team going forward and uh, going into a World Cup next year and then hosting a World Cup in 2026. Um, because of last night, because of how crazy it was, I want to do some power rankings. So let's bring in a blank sheet of paper here. I'll add this to the stream. I have 12 items from last night, and we'll just start off with the first two that I come up with. The man jumps off the set, off the CBS set, and the Mex- Mexico scores 76 seconds into the match. We're just going to basically run through these 12 items I have, and we're going to power rank them on the craziest things that happened last night. So which ones, I guess, starting off with these two, which one's crazier? The man jumping off the CBS set and everybody being bewildered, looking down and like <laughs> wondering, where the heck did that guy go? Because we never heard from him or saw from him again. Or Mexico scoring 76 seconds into this match. I think the crazier one is the the man jumping off the set. I mean, everyone has experienced a bad pass and, a, and an early goal. So the crazier one is certainly the the man jumping off the set for me. Yeah, I agree. The key word is crazy. It's giving up a goal that early for USA felt kind of devastating at the time. But yeah, uh, that that was a new one on me. The guy jumping off the uh, jumping off the set, and and that, like you said, Jonathan, the funny part was, it's like it never happened. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah. I said you yeah, go. Yeah, it's just okay. Move on. 
I think my favorite part was the security guard looking over like, uh, okay, I guess I can't do anything about that now. And yeah. Just like, oh, well. did he die or where did he go? Because the security <laughs> guard didn't have any urgency whatsoever to go get him. Maybe and that's then, commonplace in Mexico. I don't know. And then Clint Dempsey's <laughs> just looking like, uh, whatever. Which Clint Dempsey <laughs> was just a star last night and on Thursday night. He was fantastic. Wherever he was hiding the past couple years since retirement, I loved what he brought to that broadcast crew last night. That was fun last night. Good some show. sunglasses, some some camo uh, suit coat. Yeah, he looked, he looked good. It was fantastic. That crew that they have for CBS was fantastic. All right, so then now we'll insert Diego Lanez scoring basically moments after he came on. Taking advantage of Tim Ream, Mexico was just focusing on him for the second half of the match until the U.S. pulled Tim Ream off. Diego Lanes, the promising young Mexican, scores basically moments after subbing on. Does that rank crazier than Mexico scoring 76 seconds into the match or less crazy? I think less crazy just because I, I was texting a, a friend of mine and I was like, Tim Ream is going to get exposed here yep. because he, they were going right at him time and again. And, and it just seemed inevitable that that's where they were going to hit because, you know, that's what Honduras was doing too. whoever the left sided center back was in the back four or back three uh, was certainly the target for, you know, the, the opposition. So I, I think that one was very, very expected. Yeah, yeah, I, I and and I would agree with that too. And it's not that unusual for guys being subbed in in the second half to have an impact and score. I mean, it, it's it's not shocking that that happens. And sometimes I wonder why it doesn't happen more. But yeah, I would say the uh, goal seventy six seconds in was was a bigger moment, a crazier moment. I know me and me and a couple of my friends, we are on Twitter and all, also texting about just Tim Ream just getting eaten alive. Mexico didn't care about the other side of the field. Every time they got the ball, they were just focusing on Tim Ream, and his lack of speed was very evident last night, unfortunately, for Tim Ream. Uh, so next up in our list of 12 items for power rankings of the craziest things that happened last night, Weston McKinney. I'm basically just going in order here at this point. Weston McKinney scoring basically three minutes after Diego Lanez scores, so just equalizing right after Mexico get a heartbreaking goal. Where do we rank that in these, so far, four items? Uh, I think it's probably above Diego Lanez just because it was an equalizer because it you know breathed so much life back into what the U.S. was doing. Yeah, in fact, I would put that one. I would at this point, I would put that one at number two. I think uh, you know that to me. Anytime you can answer back within a few minutes in a big match like that, because because we all know that in international play, it's really tough to come from behind. I mean, sometimes a uh, a one nil lead is game over, you know. So uh, anytime you answer back that quick, I think that's that's huge. All right, so then we go for I'll just go with a non a non in play moment. The fan runs onto the pitch and then eating turf after getting tripped up by the turf monster. Where do we rank that here? Because that was the most embarrassing fan running on the field I've ever seen because he's just running and then all of a sudden just trips hilariously and just sits there like a beached whale. He seemed he seemed very cocky when he was doing yeah. it. Too. You know, I was I was I was glad that CBS didn't cut away from it, you know, because they don't want to encourage it. So I was like, you know, Keep showing it, keep showing it. He's cocky, and then he trips, and then it was over. So they need to have Kevin Harlan on call at all times when a fan, <laughs> when a fan comes on the field, yeah. or a squirrel, or a bird, or anything. Yeah, <laughs> weren't there a couple at that time? Because there was one in the foreground, and then there was a guy kind this, of in the middle. The call said there was a couple, but it looked like it was the the guy who tripped, and then security guards running after him because the security guards really weren't dressed like you would expect security to dress like. They just dressed like normal staff, I guess. But they said there was a couple, but we only saw the one who tripped. We got to talk about what, what the, the lack of security for by Goodness gracious! From the CBS well, set to having bar <laughs> on the same side as the of field as the doesn't make two dugouts. It was just. <laughs> Yeah, there there appeared to be security. It just wasn't high quality security. Yeah. <laughs> I, I what are the chances that either one? I only saw the one on a, on a replay. What, what are the chances that that guy was stone cold sober? Zero uh, on one to ten. With zero. The one of alcohol flowing through Denver last night. I'd imagine zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's Colorado, so there's more than alcohol in the air. <laughs> <laughs> true. I would, Very I would true. put that. I would put that moment. We're talking. The key word you said is crazy. So I'd put yeah. that as number two. 
Number two? Because that's crazy. Yeah. I just like that he just ate turf pretty much right away as he was running on the field. All right, so then next up, we'll stick with the lack of security. Uh, Tata Martino getting sent off for putting his arm around the shoulder of the ref during a VAR check. Where are we ranking that? Because that's just a bold move by Tata Martino to just assume that he can go up there when everyone knows you can't disturb a ref during a VAR check. Yet Tata Martino's just like, hey, buddy, how's this going? You going to call this for me or not? And Greg Berhalter was right there, too, with his arm around Tata. Like, right. it was like a big group hug. It was so bizarre. Right. And the, the look on the the look on whatever referee it is, and any the look on the referee's face whenever a player touches them or a coach, <laughs> it's just the, the most indignant look you can manufacture. And they'll look at their shoulder. They'll look at the player. They'll look at the, like, did you just touch me? Yeah. And it was, that was that, pretty bizarre. He had that look when it was – it was the the handball of McKenzie. <laughs> the handball happened. Yeah. The ball went out of play, and literally every single Mexico player there was ten of them besides the goalkeeper swarmed him. And he's just like, "Really, you guys are gonna do this? I understand there's a handball, but like, <laughs> you really gonna swarm me like this? All ten of you? I get the point. Yeah. We'll look at it." Like, what do you think Tata was saying to the official there? Like, hey, man, buddies? Like, what was that? Buy your dinner tonight? What, right. what was that? Yeah. You call this well, you for know, me, I'll, I'll buy you a nice steak. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if it's like like in, in Major League Baseball, they can't argue balls and strikes. Right. So they'll come out and argue, and they'll say anything else other than talk about the pitch. <laughs> and, and so, and, and the good managers can go out there and scream at a guy for nothing because he can't talk about what he's out there to scream at about. So I don't know if it's like that, and they, but I don't think that the referee heard a word of it. As soon as he put his arm around him, the referee's mind absolutely went blank. Like, are you really touching me? Do you have your arm around me? It's like, it's like a bad first date. Are you My really putting is, your arm around the- me? Where was the Who fourth official you? on this? He's supposed to act as the de facto security, keeping the managers away, and fourth yeah, official no, nowhere to be found. Didn't see him. Didn't see him. I'd put, I'd put that moment at number three, a strong number yeah. three, or, or yeah. number two, I could even be convinced. But, yeah, that was amazing. I think I'm with you on number three. Just what, what, was, <laughs> what was everybody thinking in that moment? Yeah. Um, we talked about – we'll continue the lack of security here. Uh, a Mexican player getting hit by a projectile launched by Mexico fans. So they're obviously aiming at the U.S. fans, and they they hit one of the Mexico players right in the head, and the Mexico players just throw their hands in the air like, what are you doing? This is, like, <laughs> stop aiming at us. It's quite the commitment. Those beers, those beers must have cost like $15. Those are, they're not cheap. Know. Those were big no. gulps. Those were not just you know, 12-ouncers. They must those have been were, pretty angry to throw those. Those were my favorite souvenir cups, and they're just throwing yeah. them on the field. You keep those. You don't get rid of those. Come on. Do we do we know Do we know for a fact it was a Mexican fan that threw yeah, it? it? Was Me- it was we do. Mexico okay. Fan section, All right. Yeah. Well, that, that makes it even a little bit crazier. Their aim's not that good. So number three or number two here? Because it's going to be hard to beat man jumping off the CBS set. It really is because really that's just something you don't see every day. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go number two. Number two. All right. Yeah, I would put that number two. And and listeners, if you want to argue with us on these, go ahead, get in our Twitter mentions here. Um, next up, uh, we'll go back onto the field. Hector Herrera, the Mexico player, somehow stays on despite an obvious yellow card, which would have been his second yellow of the match. Uh, typical Concacaf stuff where an obvious yellow just goes. Un- unchecked, uncared for, despite it being what would have been a really key moment in that game with Hector Herrera going off. Where are we ranking that here? He, he did a few things. He had a couple studs up challenges. Yeah. He had the, an arm to a, or a hand to a throat of a U.S. player. Yep, Weston McKinney. Yeah, there were multiple uh, uh, you know infractions that he had that he got away with. I don't know. I don't know what he was. What he what he was able to do to stay on the field that was that was startling to see that he was able to do that. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, he's gone. You know, I thought this is it. He's out. You know, and yeah. uh, nothing. And so, that, and you yeah. could see Tata Martino, and they, <clears throat> they mentioned it on the broadcast. They're like, well, he's going to be pulled right away because he's already treading dangerously with one yellow, and he just doesn't seem to care that he's on one yellow because he keeps going in on these things. So I don't know because of. It being CONCACAF and because of this stuff happens all the time. I don't know that I'd rank this pretty crazy. I think this would probably be near the bottom of my list because kind of generally expected when you get a CONCACAF game. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, Yeah, I'm okay with that. You can put that down somewhere near the bottom. Yeah. 
So then we'll go to any, literally any of the second half scraps between the teams. Because there wasn't really any in the first half. But in the second half, pretty much from the get-go, there were scraps between these two teams coming together of large groups of players that stopped the game for minutes at a time. I would... We haven't really seen that in a while between these two teams, but it's, you know, you want to see soccer played, but it's good to see the rivalry truly back with these two teams. Yeah, I think, I mean, Dan, Dan brings up hockey a lot. It felt like, you know, the wild playoff series, like every, every whistle they were, they were coming into each other. And it seemed like, like that very much where every instance that they saw the other guy, the other shirt, they were in their face. Yeah, I think I think that the halftime speeches must have been uh, uh, fire and brimstone in both in both locker rooms because they both came out and 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 played, you know, like we talked about early, just played like you know guys that were hungry and guys that were not afraid to run you know, to go spikes up when you've already got a yellow card or put your our hands around the throat of a player when you've got a yellow. So it, 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 I'm sure that was the message in both locker rooms was, Hey, if you want this, you know, how bad do you want this? You're going to have to go out there and take it. And well, that makes for some, uh, some intense, uh, some intense soccer. So um, I think the overall intense play in the second half, I'd put up there in, you know, somewhere around fourth or so. I mean, that that's what made that match as exciting and as crazy as it was. Yeah. So we're going four for that one right there. So then we got three left here. Do we want to start with the ref or go with the penalties? I'm thinking the ref here. So we'll start with the ref's very overdramatic signaling of the penalty calls. Where he just goes in. If you're watching the YouTube stream of this, mm-hmm. he once he comes away from the VAR check, it's ah, yep. a really big arm wave towards the penalty area. Hey, I'll, I'll take it over. I don't remember which United game it was, but oh. where there was some waffling on if it was a penalty or not. Did he point to the spot? Did he not? Yeah, I'd rather take the over dramatic. We have no doubt that there's a penalty. Uh, he was clearly playing to the stadium. He was doing the stadium, yeah. the stadium concert there with that one, making sure everybody could see, it, well, including I, in the yeah. I, I'm I'm totally with you, Andy. There there are times when the signal is either so brief or so half hearted that you go. What just happened? Right. Did yeah. he point? Did he put his arm up? You're just looking Was at it offside? Like, uh, what, the, what the hell happened? And yeah. so I actually appreciate that as as a broadcaster. I want the officials to make it crystal clear so there's no doubt in my mind what he's calling. And I like that. I I, I noticed that right away. I said because he you know they come out and they make you know they make the VAR signal and you're watching and oh okay. That was pretty crystal clear. No questioning that. And, and he's doing that to insert confidence, too, because he doesn't want, you know, if you show weakness to the players, that's just fuel for them, right? Yeah. yeah. And by the way, his VAR signal was a 72-inch TV. It was a huge it was VAR big. signal. Yeah, he's got it long wasn't arms. a small one. He went no. huge. <laughs> <laughs> would, any, would anybody have been surprised if, if he went all, all Liam Nielsen on a bit, like naked gun, and started doing – you know, twirls and backflips, <laughs> the umpire in that baseball game. You know, would any of you be surprised given all the wild stuff that happened in the song? Little, yeah. little, little moonwalk right after the yeah, VAR right. and then moonwalk. Right, yeah. and- Somersaults, yeah, twirls, yeah. I think I put this one above Tata Martino getting sent off by. Yeah, somewhere there in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I have a couple things there. Um, and then lastly, the last two here. Ethan Horvath, extra time penalty save. Where are we ranking that? I mean, it, it just solidified the the win for the U.S., right? And that was such a huge moment for them. I, I don't know if it's super high on the crazy index, but as far as impact of a game that, that will make it you know memorable for U.S. fans uh, for a long time, I think it's certainly got to be up there somewhere. Yeah, when you look at the percentage of successful uh, PKs, it's pretty crazy when you make a save in in such a such a big match. Um, although, watching the replay, it wasn't a very good attempt. No, it was what five feet at least inside the post. Yeah, he didn't have to go so very far for it. Yeah, it was not a very good attempt. I mean, now again, ninety percent of the battle for a keeper is guessing the right direction, and he did mm-hmm. that. 
And so, but yeah, I mean, I'd put that up there somewhere fourth or somewhere in that range because it was a huge moment, not as crazy as, as some of the other weird stuff that happened, but uh, it was certainly a, an exciting, fun moment to that match. I think they said that Ethan had saved like two out of the last 11 PKs. So Okay. Hey, still how. better than David De Gea. Um, and then lastly, uh, that's not a sour point for me at all. Um, Christian Pulisic with the penalty kick. Not just any penalty kick. He goes upper 90. The most dangerous spot for the penalty kick. Not just for him because it's there's a high degree of failure with that one if he goes too high. But it's also incredibly difficult. Dang near impossible for the goalkeeper to save it. Just utmost confidence in a huge moment, extra time, and he goes upper 90 with the penalty kick. I dare say this is probably number two just because of how closely this could have been to failure in a really big moment that if you miss it, the momentum clearly goes out of your favor. Yeah, and he's he's the golden boy. He's the he's the leader of this team. He's the one that has to step up in those moments. I thought it was pretty petty of the Mexican players to uh, use their, their boots and dig up the yeah. area. I thought that was really Bush League of them to, to try to do so, and obviously Pulisic wasn't phased by that at all to – to do what he did after that. And then obviously the iconic moment of ripping his shirt off and the, all the, uh, you know, teammates behind him as he shushes the Mexican crowd and everyone <laughs> gets, gets around him and, and gets pretty rowdy. And I don't know if you're going to get to this next Jonathan, but you know, Gio Reyna took a, took a beer to the face yeah. and had to go down and his face was ready, red and, and kind of inflamed. And he took one to the face too. So it was a, a player from each team took in uh beers yeah. to the face. A lot of beer flying in uh, in Denver, but it was what a wasted beer. What are these people doing? But, Come on, stop! But for him to for him to for him to make that decision to take that ball high, it just shows a lot of confidence. And he's not dumb. He knows that that's a riskier shot, but he also knows if he hits it the way he wants to, there's no way it's going to get stopped. And and that was that was pretty impressive. I mean, I was I I was like you know I sat back and went wow, I can't believe he put that ball there. Um, because we're you know we've been watching too many Minnesota United matches. I expected that one to end up in the brew hall somewhere. So um, we're not used to people hitting the goal all the time. That's that's an adjustment. So uh, yeah. I thought it was very impressive. And yeah, I'd put that up near the top because man, you think at that point you say, all right, just make sure I don't miss. Right? Isn't that what you go in thinking? I don't miss. Don't miss. Just don't miss. And he took as risky as a shot as I've ever seen. Yeah, and Memo Ochoa went the the same way, and he you know put it where he couldn't couldn't yeah. get to it. But Memo Ochoa was also kind of bush league in in the Costa Rica game when Johan Venegas and and yeah. Francisco Calvo were taking stepping to the penalty spot, and Memo Ochoa was going out to the penalty spot after each taker and kind of intimidating them and kind of stepping back. I thought he was kind of bush league in that too. So I'm sure there's some U.S. fans. I know my wife is pretty excited that Memo Ochoa got scored on there. She's not. Uh, <laughs> He's not her favorite player. so Fair enough. That has been our power rankings. If you disagree or agree with any of them, let us know over on Twitter at our separate YouTube or our Twitter handles. Uh, I, I disagree wanna... with most all of them. Okay. Even though you made the yeah. list, that makes sense. No, nah, I still disagree. We'll stick with international play. We got a couple loons abroad right now. Uh, Robin Lud and Yuka Raitala played 90 minutes for Finland in their 1-0 loss to Estonia. Surprising loss for them considering the different levels of skill there. Jan Gregers played just 28 minutes for Slovakia in their 0-0 draw against Austria. The big one, though, for loons fans and for Dane St. Clair in Canada. Dane St. Clair received his first ever cap for Canada in their 7-0 shutout of Aruba in World Cup qualifying action. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I don't think he even faced a shot on the night. I didn't see one. No, nope. yeah. there was nothing. There was nothing coming his way. It was pretty uh, cakewalk yeah. view for him. I remember at halftime the commentators go, "I don't even think he's taken a goal kick yet." Yeah, he it was. Yeah. The ball. It was one way traffic in that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was to be expected, considering how good Canada was. But good on Dane St. Clair for getting uh, his first ever cap for Canada bright future for him we'll transition into our look across the league segment we'll stay with minnesota united and international play because according to stephen goff of the washington post presumably allianz field he just said st paul in his tweet but i would mean i would imagine that means st uh, allianz field has emerged as a front runner alongside columbus and one other unnamed mls city to host the november world cup qualifying match between the u.s and mexico please for the love of all that is true and holy 
bring that game to Minnesota in November. I want the elements at play when the U.S. takes on Mexico at home. That would be so fun to have that game at Allianz Field. I know Columbus has has always historically been the home of that match, but having the weather here in November play a key <laughs> part in that match against Mexico would be so much fun. Come on, Columbus can't even decide what their team name is. Throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a sparkling new stadium. I mean, I know Allianz Field is is uh, you know just uh, a couple of years old, but Columbus will have the new stadium, and like you said, Jonathan, they they're the the regular ones to have it. But you know, Allianz, you know, has had U.S. Uh, men's national team games. I think it was a Gold Cup a few years ago. The women's national team game. Uh, you know, the United's angling for the All Star game, so they want to have big games there. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get that because coming off of this U.S.-Mexico game, it'll have a lot more eyeballs on it. It doesn't seem – a match here in November at an outdoor stadium, it doesn't seem like a move that – unless you really don't like Mexico, <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't seem like something they'd be very happy about. But um, I mean, we played Costa Rica in Denver in the middle of a snowstorm a couple of years ago during the last World Cup cycle, and I don't think Costa Rica was too happy upon the return trip. I think, if I remember correctly, they sent all the taxis out in the country basically to clog the U.S. trying to get to the stadium. So it's been done before where we sabotage the location. I guess, of the yeah. yeah. For purposes of trying to win. but That'd be, but that'd be, that'd be that an incredible – yeah, that'd be an incredible, incredible event to be able to attend, wouldn't it? Absolutely. 20,000 fans all right on top of you for U.S.-Mexico in the middle of November. That'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, st- sticking around the league here, sort of. Uh, this one might hit a little close to Tottenham's home, Andy. Uh, former Inter, uh, Chelsea, and Juventus manager Antonio Conte, who recently rejected a chance to take over Tottenham, said in an interview with The Zone that he would like to coach in America in about five years, although it would be really hard for him to get a hold of the spending limits here because considering his past, <laughs> he really likes to spend all the money possible considering he just put Inter in an incredible amount of debt, which is why he left the club. But Antonio Conte, just any big manager coming over to the U.S., wanting to come over here, that'd be exciting despite our spending limits that Antonio Conte would have to deal with. Yeah, and Conte didn't go to Spurs because of you know pres- presumed limitations in spending and yep. what happens with Harry Kane. So his uh, his understanding of a salary budget and only three DPs, <laughs> I think that would be quite the roadblock for him. Given It'd where be a great fit for Inner Miami, who don't know how it works apparently. <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to care about how yeah, is, is it really that important to understand it? <laughs> Someone just tells you when to stop, or not, <laughs> or they give you a two million dollar fine and. That's when you know to stop. Oh, well. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, We will get back to Inter-Miami in a second. I want to go up to one of the newer clubs joining it next season. Former Leicester defender Christian Fuchs was announced as the latest signing for Charlotte FC. He'll join them for their inaugural season when they join MLS next season. The 35-year-old won the Premier League with Leicester at 5,000-to-1 odds in 2016, as well as the FA Cup this past season as well. It's a little old of a signing for a defender, but I still think it's kind of cool that one of the key players in Leicester's magical run to the Premier League title is going to come over here and play for a season. Yeah, I think there's some name cred there. You know, I think it's, I think Minnesota fans probably wish that they would have had a little bit more investment in the defense early on, uh, given what happened to this team in 2017 and 2018. Um, So I think they probably wanted to see something at that level uh, early on in this, in this iteration of, of an MLS expansion franchise. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Charlotte. I know that they haven't really been doing a whole lot and, and there's some questions about commitment there and the stadium and those kinds of things. So this is a, a welcome sign that they might have a, a commitment there to rival some of what's going on with, with newer expansion franchise in the last couple of years. Yeah, it should be fun there. Uh, going back to inner Miami now, uh, let's just get to the Messi rumors. Lionel Messi, supposedly, I mean, he's going to be the signing that everybody watches this offseason considering his contract is up with Barcelona at the end of the month here. Um, rumors stating that he will sign a essentially a 10-year deal with Barcelona that will have two years of playing for Barcelona, and then he'll come over to play two years for Inter-Miami and then go back as a club ambassador for the team. Uh, but, Inter, but Inter-Miami is being labeled as the team that 
Lionel Messi will go to. That kind of goes along with his recent purchase of an entire floor of a giant condo in Miami. Because, I mean, when you're Lionel Messi and you get paid $500 million over five years, you can spend that kind of money. But Inter-Miami supposedly getting Lionel Messi in two years, that would be exciting. Despite him being 36, he'll still be an attraction for a lot of casual viewers in this country. I'm surprised he didn't buy the whole apartment building. <laughs> right. Yeah, what was he holding back? <laughs> Humility, I, I guess. He didn't want to go. You know, he didn't want to go all out. And 36 is not too old. I mean, I'm obviously I'm too old because I remember the uh, NASL days and got to see Pele play and Giorgio Canalia and uh, some of those guys that came over at that time, which was a long time ago. Some of those guys were pretty old, and and those guys will draw people in. They, they, you know, people want to see him play and. And wherever he goes, if that's true, if he's here in two years, it, it, wherever he goes, the stadiums are going to be packed and people are going to want to see him play because that's, that's the way this, that's, that's why these players come over here. Um, I mean, money has something to do with it, but, uh, they want to experience that and, uh, it's, it's something new and different for them. So, um, it, it, yeah, that'd be kind of cool to see him, see him for a couple of seasons. Even at 36, he'll be better uh, oh, than yeah. any of the other five designated player signings Inter Miami already has right now. Yeah. He's no, he's no Ibsen, but you know. Ibsen's just my favorite player to pick on. I, I actually miss the guy because yeah. I liked his, I liked his flair and I liked his passion. Um, so I, I just, I joke a lot about Ibsen, but I actually do miss the guy. I liked his character. Yeah, the foul suffered times three for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dan, did you watch any of the Hunter, the U.S. Honduras game on Thursday? Did not, no. Okay, you missed the second half when apparently a sniper was taking out every Honduras player's ankles and they were rolling. Oh, they were dropping like flies. It huh? was bad. I had a couple buddies text me as the second half was going on, like, where is this sniper and why is he Where's... only targeting Honduras? It was... That's now being referred to as a LeBron. <laughs> it was pretty bad on uh, on Thursday, but um, so that's our look across the league. All right, last week was pretty bloody in write that down. This week, a little bit more tame. Andy, are you ready for a write that down this week? Uh, I I sure am. Um, I think my number one is uh, Franco Fragapane uh, will uh, score uh, multiple goals. They have three get three goal three games next week, Ooh. and I think you'll get on the score score sheet at least twice and i don't think adrian unu will at all oh wow write that down parlay here i like wow this. going big so parlay. you're so basically andy's saying we still don't have a striker <laughs> <laughs> spent all that money we still don't have a striker <laughs> well andy, not, not, initial, not initially earlier this year i went out on a bold prediction and just said sometime before june a striker would score a goal for for Minnesota, and I barely pulled that one off. <laughs> Thanks to Ramon Avila. Um, write that down if you're not aware. Works like this, three soccer-related predictions. At least one of them has to be Minnesota United-related. We'll keep track of the correct predictions. We'll call them goals throughout the year, and the most goals at the end of the year wins the golden boot. Uh, we'll do a quick accountability session. I finally got on the board, Dan. It finally finally. I was feeling bad for you. I said the U.S. men's national team will beat Honduras on Thursday. I took the easy way out, but it finally happened. And this one's surprising, Dan. You you labeled this as a big difference between these two teams. We're going Minnesota Amateur Soccer League, Division One Stegman's 1977. We'll score at least five goals against Division Four Karen FC in the Minnesota Cup. Well, I went to check the score. Karen FC not only didn't allow five goals. They won two to one in the Minnesota Cup, so a Division Four side beat a Division One side. Damn. I'm not happy about need, that one at I all. Your... I was looking for a freebie. Yeah. I was looking for an easy point. <laughs> and Karen's Karen FC <sighs> did not like you trying for an easy point. So I guess. our standings, our standings. Myself and the guests have one correct prediction, while Dan has five. Dan, you're at thirty eight percent correct. I'm at ten percent, and guests are at fifty percent. Uh, Andy, you already had your first one, so Dan, I'll let you go next. All right, Minnesota at Dallas. I can't wait to get back at it. Oh, it's gonna be our number ten, Emmanuel Reynoso, will be involved in every Minnesota goal scored in Dallas on Saturday. Oh, I don't know if they're going to score one or four, but however many they scored, he'll be involved in every one of them. 
Okay. There you go. Write that down. It's pretty remarkable that he doesn't have a primary assist yet this year. I mean, seven seven games in, he doesn't have a primary assist. Obviously, you know, he's number two in the league in key passes, but uh, haven't been able to get on the end of it. I think that's maybe one of the most surprising things so far. Well, this this season, Andy, he's not surprising people. Everybody knows what to prepare for, yeah. and they've, they're have they doing a good job of it because he's been just shut down for whole halves at a time. So, Absolutely. Uh, for my first write that down, I will go with the Loons here. Despite him not starting for the past couple games, uh, he did get the start for Canada. Dane St. Clair will have at least four clean sheets for Minnesota United this season. By the end of the season, he'll have four of them. You're, that down. you're just looking for easy points now, aren't you? Wow. You know something we don't know about Tyler Miller? No, <laughs> not that I've heard. You've been, any, talk, you've been talking to Cal again. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing new on that that front. All right. I mean, well, if he plays, constantly predicting it. You, your biggest risk on that one is how many times is he going to play the rest of the Absolutely. season? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we've talked about it. Tyler Miller is a good goalkeeper, but they have two number ones. How long do they keep with two number ones? Do they trade one at the trade deadline? I don't know. But I'm predicting Dane St. Clair will get at least four clean sheets this season. Andy. Uh, since I went premature and kind of ruined the bit by no giving you a prediction. It's not that good of a bit anyway. Don't worry about it. I don't know what that was all about. You, you're ready and I just spouted off right away. No worries. Very eager. Very eager over here. <laughs> um, uh, to that point, um, uh, Minnesota United will trade Tyler Miller uh, this year. Um, I think that's I think that's a pretty easy one. Um, I think, you know, Adrian Zendejas uh, has a couple clean sheets in his uh, USL stint. I think they're they're confident in him as a backup, and I think you know I've heard a, a few people around the club uh, talk about the outlook going forward with the roster is comings and goings is kind of how it was described of you know trades one one person in one person out, not multiple guys coming in, and I think yeah. Tyler Miller's at the top of that list of departures. What do you yeah. mean, Adrian? Saying what last week that he's he's happy with his roster. He doesn't expect any more players coming in. No more was a lie. Yeah, yeah he, he he didn't no say probably the first time in recorded history that they're not one or two players away. So took us all yeah. back. We we're all confused. Like, what yeah. is this? So right. It's like when a when a when a general manager tells you that the coach's job is safe, you know he's going to get fired in about two days. <laughs> yeah, you know Stephon Diggs will be a Minnesota Viking next season. Yeah, he's not Three going later, anywhere. He traded to Buffalo. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. All right, my number two next Monday morning in group stage, Slovakia, uh, Jan Gregus and Slovakia taking on Poland in group stage play. Um, not only will Poland win, but they will. Uh, pull a clean sheet against Slovakia and they will score two or more goals. Okay. I like it. Going, going with some Euros action here. Well, what else am I going to watch on a Monday morning? Soccer. Yeah. I'm not going to watch judge it's Judy or Mario. No, no judge Judy. Now that I would tune out for. So she's, <laughs> she's my, she's my, she's my secret crush. <laughs> Moving on quickly. Uh, Andy speechless. Sing- Andy speechless. <laughs> He's going, what? moving on quickly. Where did, what, what happened to this? Uh, sticking with the Euros, I'm looking at all these groups. I'm going to go with an easy one here. I think, I hope so. I mean, they haven't performed well in tournament play recently. Heck, they missed the World Cup the last time around. Italy will win their group at the Euros this season. I don't remember exactly who's in their group off the top of my head. I'm a huge Italy fan. I'm glad that they're back at the tournament stage. Um, I think they will win their group this season or this time around. Write that down. And that's only because he likes pizza. So Italy's his favorite international team. Who doesn't like pizza? By the way, their group is Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. So it's actually kind of Turkey, but you like Turkey too, though. Thanksgiving. Come on. I'm no? actually not a big fan of turkey. All right, pizza it is. Pizza it is. <clears throat> All right, Andy. you're obviously not a big fan of Gareth Bale either. It looks like um, uh, is he going to get injured? I don't trust him. I don't know. He scored like 20 goals this year in all competitions. Yeah, when um, Jose decided to play him. Well, no, when when Jose left, and then he started <laughs> playing more. But it wasn't just Europa Grove stage. Um, uh, my number uh, three will be. Uh, Tottenham will have a manager next year. Um, <laughs> contrary to the fact that nobody seems to want to coach them or they can't get their previous love back in Mauricio Pochettino. Somebody will coach that team next year, God willing. Who do you, besides obviously Pochettino, who do you want it to be? 
Well, Eric Detang um, from Ajax, I think it would be a would be a good fit. You know, I, I think a kind of similar club, a, a club that you know kind of prides itself on youth players and, and positivity and, and building. You know, over the long haul, I think I think that'd probably be a good one for them. I'll still never understand why they went with Jose after Pochettino. Doesn't make sense to me. You know, just because they knew he was available, you know, and he was a name, and and it was all based on on ancient history. It doesn't. It still does. It baffles me that they decided. Let's get rid of Pochettino, who had this great system, this great atmosphere, and bring in the guy who's so toxic he can't work at any place pretty much anymore. So now he's at Roma. So you're saying that we shouldn't just replace a coach if you don't have a suitable replacement? Exactly. Always have a suitable replacement if you're going to get rid of your coach. I kind of agree with that. So. All right, my third one, since the Karens screwed me up last week, I'm going to the NPSL and the Minneapolis Soccer Club. Wednesday, they play at the Dakota Fusion, Jim Gatta Stadium in Moorhead. Minneapolis will win by four or more goals. Okay. Write that down. You are just making me look all over the place for these results, aren't you? (laughs) I like to make you work. (laughs) Have to to go find the – These are Division A. Hey, NPSL these are Division One programs. These are Division One soccer <laughs> top top tier teams, and you're acting like you never heard of them. You know what? I'm more used to looking <sighs> for Division Two because Manchester United really likes to play in the Europa League. So, I'm used to looking for the Division Two version of tournaments. So, bring them on. I want to see the Karens take after them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for my third and final prediction, I mentioned Manchester United. There, I'll go with the Manchester United prediction. Jaden Sancho. I mean, the club were trying to sign him last year, but they didn't realize Dortmund were serious about their their money and their timeline. I think it'll get done this year. In fact, I think Jaden Sancho will sign for Manchester United by the time the Euros start this Friday. I think they will get it done within the week here. Well, they signed Harry Kane as well. Mm, You guys can keep him. We'll save our money for Erling Holland next year. He's uh, he's the up and coming guy for sure. Just back to the Borussia Dortmund, well, huh? Yep. Nice. No offense, I don't want Harry Kane injured too often for me. Yeah, too many golden boots. Yep. <laughs> too many golden boots. He can't. That's why he's getting hurt Erling all the Holland. time. I'll take Erling Holland over Harry Kane. Sorry. Yeah, better long term future. I I don't. I wouldn't blame you at all. Yeah. You guys can keep Harry Kane and have all the golden boots you want and keep finishing and playing in the uh, Europa Conference League or whatever it's called this time. Yeah, wow. I mean, you were complaining you're about the Europa League. We're just, we'll be lucky to get in it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how Europa Conference League will play out this year. It's going to be, I'm not a fan of that idea. The third continental competition just doesn't make sense. But UEFA want their money. All right, that has been Loon Talk this week. Andy, thanks for joining us. It's been fun having you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah, good to see you, Andy. Yeah, you too. Andy, let the uh, listeners and I guess the viewers over on YouTube know where they can find your work as well as where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram and all the social media handles. Yeah, uh, so the website is twincities.com slash Minnesota United and on Twitter at, at Andy Greeter. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Dan, we will talk to you next week. All right, boys. Have a good week. Have a good week, guys. And thank you for listening. Once again, you have been listening to Loon Talk, Score North's Minnesota United podcast. We talked a little bit about the U.S. men's national team this week, but there, that's because there was no Minnesota United to talk about. Um, well, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help us get found. And you can also watch us over on Score North's YouTube channel if you want to check out our faces for some reason. You can see the faces that go along with these voices. That has been Loon Talk for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a good evening. 